0: Uh, I read a quote um, not too long ago that struck with me that I want to open up this message with here this morning, and it's this. It says, The available daybreaks before us are dwindling. Yeah, let that soak in for just a second. The available daybreaks before us are dwindling. One day the final sunset is going to occur at the rapture of the church. And so. It, in, it, 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 it behooves us, it, it, it makes us hopefully more urgent to say that we must make the most of the days, of the daybreaks that are left that God has given us. I want to read to you Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 and 17. This is not my text, but it is something that I want to uh, start off with here this morning. It says in Ephesians five, fifteen: be very careful then. How you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. I want you to hold on to that last little part of that sentence there. Understand what the Lord's will is. Don't be foolish. But understand what the Lord's will is. So we're going to put a pin in that one for just a second. And I want to uh, I want to pivot here for just a second. Uh, because if you look at it, and obviously by the folks that came up and those that responded here this morning, we understand that there's a lot of anxiety in the world today. The headlines and the events that are going on really grab our attentions and our energies on a daily basis. Food shortages, power shortages, high prices, wars and rumors of wars, political upheaval. It's all around us, and it seems to be in every single category that the world is being turned upside down right before our eyes, very quickly. Now, there's folks that are out there, and there may be some in the congregation like this. Uh, they're called preppers. Now, preppers are the ones that scramble to get a, a sufficient amount of food, a sufficient amount of, of uh, water, a, a, a sufficient amount of ammunition, and other things like that. To, 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 to stockpile them before this coming collapse takes place. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be aware of the things that are going on, that we shouldn't be prudent to have some things on hand, just as those, by the way, who weathered Hurricane Ian in Florida and on the coast of South Carolina, and even us, thank the Lord that we got just a little bit of wind and a lot of rain, but no I haven't heard of anybody that had any damage, but we really need to pray for the folks in Florida, and I I trust that your loved ones have, you know, gotten back to you and are giving you a good report, but you know that they prepped in Florida as they heard this hurricane coming, and certainly if you live in Florida, you have an ample supply of different things, knowing that at any moment those things can happen, but to focus exclusively on those things, the Water, the food, the ammunition, the whatever it is that would be. Um, I believe that if we, if we spend our time exclusively on those things, that it really robs us of what we really should be primarily focused on. So instead of giving ourselves wholeheartedly to these things, what do I do? What do I do? I better get ready. I believe that it would please the Lord and it would benefit us far better if we spend more time and our best energies on the one who knows what is now and who knows what is next and that he has those events in his beautiful hands. Now, he knows what's best for us to prepare. And I believe more than anything else that he's calling out his bride, the church, all of us here today, to make ready a people prepared for the lord so let me begin today by asking you a question or two when you hear talk of the rapture how does it make you feel are you excited about it or maybe you're afraid of it a little bit of uncertainty there a little bit of a dread a little bit of a i don't know what to expect so there's this sort of sense of i don't know so over the next several weeks we're going to be looking at all these questions and concerns as we dig deeply into um, this series that I'm going to be preaching on about the rapture and about heaven and about our thoughts and emotions and approach towards them. You don't hear too many sermons and series preached about the rapture in heaven and about not so much about what heaven's going to be like and what's going to happen in the rapture, but our approach to it, our thoughts about it, our sense of this, that's going to happen in the world one day and every living soul, every living soul is going to be impacted by this once-in-all-of-eternity event called the rapture. Now, I believe the church, and this is my personal interpretation of the scripture, I believe that the church is going to be raptured before the beginning of the tribulation. Some of you and some listening here today may be more inclined to believe that it's that there's a mid-trib rapture that's going to take place or a post-tribulation tribulation rapture that's going to take place, and that's certainly your option, and I'm not here to, today to debate when it will occur. That's really up to God. The Bible says that only God knows that. But my advice to you is that whether it's pre, mid, or post, that whenever it occurs, just be ready. Just be ready, okay? So, uh, so just so you'll know from my perspective, I'm going to be teaching through the lens and the belief based on my understanding of Scripture That Jesus is going to catch us up before the tribulation begins. In fact, I believe that the rapture is going to be in large part what triggers the tribulation. Now, this is an important variable because if we can lock into a solid belief of a pre-trib rapture, it matters. Because when we have a pre-trib rapture belief firmly in place, then we can put our primary efforts are our lion's share of emotions and thoughts, not so much in the physical prepping to endure this apocalypse and to hunker down for this long-term survival in the midst of the tribulation, but instead we can expend our, our primary energies and keep our focus on the mission that we were called to. Remember what we just read in Ephesians to not live as a fool or unwise, but to focus on what the Lord would have us to understand. What is that mission? It's like I said a few moments ago, and it's going to be in our text that I'm getting ready to read. To make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now, it's the same mission that was given to John the Baptist. If you're familiar with this, that the angel Gabriel described two uh, John's parents before John was even born. This is what the angel Gabriel said in Luke chapter 1, verse 17, and this is my text for this morning. It says, and uh, Gabriel is saying to, to John's parents, he, John, will go on before the Lord in the spirit and in the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now, John the Baptist, as you might know, was a very unique person. He was set apart. He was passionate. He was focused. He was determined. He stood when others bowed. He spoke up when others kept silent. He lived his life unashamedly for righteousness and holiness and godliness while others lived the opposite. John the Baptist was fully dedicated to God and His kingdom purposes. John the Baptist was bold and unafraid and confident in the God of His salvation. He did not pay attention to the voices of the day saying to do this or to do that. What he did instead was he focused on what God would have him to do and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And I ask you then, what about you today? What about you today? When you see... When people see your actions, what are they learning? During the troubles and the hard times these past couple of years of COVID and the world upheaval, what example have you lived out before others? Have you listened to the orchestrated narrative of the world and the news media and the politics and embraced its agenda, causing you to fear? And taking actions based on what is being repeated over and over and over again. Just because it's repeated over and over and over again does not make it true. It just means it makes it repeated. I can tell you a lie over and over again and it won't make it the truth if I say it a hundred times. Or are you standing firm in the faith today? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to change you, to teach you, to help you, and to help others to be a people prepared for the Lord? You may see some parts of the church today is apathetic. And it's true. There are portions of the body of Jesus Christ that are apathetic. Others that are more arrogant and holier than thou. There's others that are living in apostasy, which is really more of a false religion, unscriptural doctrine. You seeing churches and deno- entire denominations softening and, and adjusting their, their theology to make sure that it becomes more inclusive. But we don't have to follow their lead. We don't have to bow to any of that. Instead of buying into their narrative, we can stand. We can go forth in the spirit of Elijah, in the power of Elijah, uniting the divided, rescuing the lost, and making people ready and prepared for the coming of the Lord. So what does that look like? What does that look like today? Well, these are there's four things that the angel Gabriel listed that John would do. And this was not just an assignment for John the Baptist. If it's in the Bible, it's for me. That's the way I look at it. If there's an assignment, if there's a blessing, if there's a if there's a responsibility, if there's a walk, if there's something that's in the Bible that was given to Elijah or John the Baptist or, or the apostles or somebody in the Old Testament or somebody, and Jesus especially, it's for me. I'm going to put my name there. I'm going to put that as my assignment, and I want you to make that your assignment as well. I want you to put your name in this scripture that I'm getting ready to read, that I read actually just a moment ago in, in, uh, in, 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 our, in our text um, in, in Luke chapter 1, verse 17. I believe these four things that the angel Gabriel listed that John would do is the four things that God is calling us to do in our generation. He did his job 2,000 years ago. But he's not alive anymore, is he? We are. And the mantle has been passed on to us. So we're all called to go before the Lord. Just like John the Baptist was called to go before Christ, before he showed up, we are called also to go before the Lord. In other words, we're called to represent Christ in these four ways. First, in the spirit and in the power of Elijah. So there's a couple of different things here about the spirit and the power of Elijah. When you read about the story of Elijah, did he have his faults? You bet he did. Was he perfect? Absolutely not. Did he show his humanity? Quite a bit. But he also came through when he needed to. He stood up and said, all right, I'm going to do it. Did he run away whenever Jezebel chased after him? Yeah. But the Lord got a hold of him and turned his heart around and he got him back on the track and said, okay, here you go. There's a couple of things about the spirit and the power of Elijah that I want to point out to you that the Lord wants to work in us, that same spirit. The first one is the spirit of Elijah is a spirit that believes in God's unlimited power. How many believe in God's unlimited power? Do you really believe in God's unlimited power? I mean, do you have that spirit that says God's power is unlimited and his control over the earth is absolute? Do you believe that? Do you believe that, church? Because if you don't, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of Elijah, needs to get inside of you. Because you know what that's going to give you? It's going to give you courage. If you found that you don't believe that God is, is in control of all this that's going on in the world today, that God is still in control, do you believe that God, in the midst of all this going on, is still in control? The answer is yes. Whether you believe it or not, He is. And do you believe that God has unlimited power? If you believe it or not, the answer is yes. He has unlimited power. So let that give you courage, church. Let that instill within you the courage to say, wait a minute. Because God has unlimited power. And because He's still in control. I will not fear. I will not be afraid. I will have courage. I will stand strong in the might and the power of Jesus Christ. Not in my strength, but in His strength. Not in my control, but in His control of everything. Isaiah chapter 41 says it this way. Starting in verse 10. So do not fear. I'll say it again, church. I say it to you, put your name in there. So do not fear. God says, for I am with you. Isn't that good to know? We can stop right there and say, we're done. Yeah. But I want to keep it up. I want to keep reading it because there's so much that we can uh, just flesh out in this beautiful passage. Do not fear. I am with you. Do not be dismayed, it continues. For I am your God. I will strengthen you and I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Now, all those who rage against you will surely be ashamed and disgraced. That sounds good, doesn't it? Yeah. Those who oppose you will be as nothing and perish. Hey, that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Not that I would wish it on anybody, but hey, if God be for me, who can be against me? Amen. Though you search for your enemies, you're not going to find them. Why? Because I am with you. I am your God. For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear. I will help you. Don't be afraid. I like this part. You worm, Jacob. That sounds like a slam, doesn't it? Who are you calling a worm? You little thing. Little Israel. Don't fear. For I myself will help you, declares the Lord. Your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Put your name in there. See, I will make you into a threshing sledge. That sounds pretty, pretty severe. New and sharp with many teeth. You will thresh the mountains and crush them and reduce the hills to chaff. You will winnow them. The wind will pick them up and a gale will blow them away. But you, but you will rejoice in the Lord and glory in the Holy One of Israel. That's all we need to know, church. There's a lot of stuff going on out there. There's a lot of agenda being tried to cram down the church's throat and us as individuals, but God is for us. God is all-powerful. God is still in control. Yeah, we're little worms. I know you've probably been wanting to say this to the person sitting next to you for a long time. Go ahead and say, you're just a little worm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I say that in love. Nothing, you know... <laughs> But what he's saying is that we're nothing, but God is all-powerful. See, we need to understand that we cannot fight these battles in our own strength. We're going to fail and flop miserably. The enemy is stronger than us, but greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And so we stand and say, wait a minute, don't fear, I'm with you, don't be dismayed, I'm your God, you're going to rejoice in the glory of the Holy One of Israel while I crush your enemies before you. So no matter what the enemy tries to do or how he tries to convince us that he is bigger, that he is greater, that he is stronger than God, he isn't. Folks, he never has been, he never will be. He's just a he's just a blah blah blah, 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 blah trying to scare you. It's just a bunch of nothing words. It's hollow, it's empty. There's no truth to it. Take courage, church. God is fighting your battles for you. He's going before you. He is the victor. He is the champion. He is the great and mighty king of all kings today. In the headwinds of the battle raging before us today as a church in these last days, be courageous. Don't uh, don't, don't be courageous in your own strength, though. You're not going to be able to do it. But be courageous and strong in the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ who is in you. John 16, 33 says, this is Jesus saying it. Have I told you these things? I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you may have trouble. Do I hear an amen? Amen. Oh, but hear this one. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Do I hear a greater amen? amen? Amen. So the second aspect of the spirit of Elijah is we have this courage. Wait a minute, God's in control. He's all powerful. Wait a minute. What am I fretting about here, God? I'm going to be courageous in the fact that you're in control and you have all power. So, the second part of the spirit of Elijah that we see lived out in his life is that is this spirit of a, uh, this is prompt and unquestioning obedience that that um, that Elijah lived out. The word is obedience. So we have confidence and we have courage, and then we have obedience. And what obedience will do for us when we rest in the fact that God's in control and He's all-powerful, and I'm going to not question then, based on that, what He wants me to do. I'm going to walk in effectiveness for Him. That's what it's going to do. When I obey Him, I'm going to be effective for Him. Say that with me. When I obey Him, I'm going to be effective for Him. And just the opposite. When I disobey, I'm not going to be effective. How many wants to be effective for Jesus Christ? So walk in obedience. Well, how do I do that? Walk in courage because He's in control and He's all-powerful. That's what Elijah did. The Bible says some plants some water, but God brings the increase. He's looking for obedience to plant water from his children. That's our job, planting water. How often do we delay our question when this Holy Spirit tells us to do something? Huh? How often do we talk ourselves out of something we know the Spirit is prompting us to do? What has God called you to do that you still haven't done? And why? What are you waiting on? I'm too busy, I don't have the time, I'm 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 afraid, I I, I don't have the qualifications, I, I don't know. Take courage. Let the spirit of Elijah, let the spirit and the power of Elijah come upon you. And be courageous and walk in obedience. The spirit of Elijah is a spirit that says, I'll do it quickly and I'll do it without question. I'll plant water and trust God with the increase. I'll do it. I'll say it. I'll be it. And I'll leave the results to God. I don't need to know the big picture. I don't need to figure out the outcome. I just need to quickly and unquestionably obey. So here it is. Here it is. The spirit of Elijah that believes in God's unmatched authority and power over the earth will give us courage to obey. Courage to obey. Quickly. Quickly. And without question, when the Spirit of God prompts us to move. Amen? Amen. God, help us. Help us to have that spirit of Elijah. You know, these actions, this spirit of courage and obedience, they're very tangible in their effectiveness and desperately needed in today's world. And God is waiting for you to step up to the plate to do it. And the angel Gabriel said the result of this spirit of courage and obedience is going to be unpacked here in the next three things that he said. First off, it's uniting the divided. He he says the fathers to the children, but we can actually expand this out by saying, wait a minute, God wants to unite the divided. We can make this broader than what is even said in, in, in the, what the angel Gabriel said. You obviously know this. We live in a very divided world. The spirit of Elijah that John the Baptist had and we're encouraged today to walk in brings people together though. Now there's a lot of effort to bring people together under particular banners. There's this global warming banner over here. There's this alphabet soup rainbow banner over here. I've run out of letters. Every letter in the alphabet and then so so much so they have to put a plus next to it. There's this woke banner that's over here and people run under these banners, you know. Political correct and now this whole thing about The schools and the gender identity, there's some banners people are running under. I'm not going to expend my energies on these banners, folks, because this world is not my home. I'm not going to embrace the narrative of them. Today, I wave the banner of Jesus Christ. Today, I wave the banner of Jesus Christ from this pulpit today. How many will join me in getting under the banner of Jesus Christ? You know, the church's only singular enduring assignment is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. The type of uniting that the Spirit desires to do isn't about the world's causes that are going to fade away, but to bring people, the lost and the lonely, the down and the outers, the prodigal sons and daughters, back home, back to God the Father, under the banner of the finished work of Jesus Christ. Sin has divided humanity from relationship with God. That Jesus has come to unite the divided back to God. Let me just tell you what the gospel of Jesus Christ is if you're not sure. Jesus led a sinless life and he sacrificed his sinless life on the cross of Calvary. And Jesus shed his pure and spotless blood for the remission of your sins and mine. And then he died. And then he was buried. But then he rose again. And His victory over sin and death and hell and the grave has provided for you and for me a bridge to get back to God in that restored relationship. That's what the gospel is all about. Jesus came to restore the broken relationship that was severed in the garden through sin. The spirit of Elijah is the spirit of reconciliation. Write that down. The spirit of Elijah is the spirit of reconciliation. Reconciliation. That joins the hands of the lost back to God the Father. Which brings us to the third part of the Spirit's characteristic that he, that John the Baptist had. And that is rescuing the lost. We understand that we're called to preach the gospel. We hear that all the time. You hear it from this pulpit constantly. But the Spirit of Elijah puts legs on it. It's not just understanding in theory that We as a church of Jesus Christ, the big C should preach the gospel, but it puts legs on it. This is, wait a minute. I am the church, the little C, individually as part of the body, and I am called to also preach the gospel, to put legs on it, to go where people need rescue. We can have a desire to help those people in Florida who need rescue. Maybe you're thinking your heart's going out to them. If I could just go down and if I could just help them, if I could just, if I could just somehow take care of them, but we can't do it by staying here in South Carolina, can we? You can have a desire all you want to to help the people in Florida. But if you're going to do rescue, if you're going to go and serve them, you've got to get in your car. You've got to go to where they are. You need to go to them. Jesus told a parable about a great supper being prepared by a master and his desire to have everyone come. And many people came who were invited, but a lot of them were invited, turned him down, which angered the master. And so the master told the servants to go out and invite others. And we pick up on the story in Luke chapter 14, verses 21 through 23. It says, The servant came and reported these things to his master. And then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servants, Go out quickly into the streets and to the lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind.'" And the servant said, Master, it's done as you commanded and still there's room. And then he said, all right, then go into the highways, into the hedges, and into the byways and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. You see what that's doing. It's not just sitting here and praying, God, bring them in. It's going out to where they are and inviting them to come in. The spirit of Elijah moves us beyond our comfort zones. It moves us beyond our complacency. It moves us beyond our busyness and our excuses and it compels us to go out and rescue the lost at any cost i know it's not convenient to step out of our routine and to interact with those who are poor and maimed and lame and blind figuratively and actually literally speaking those who are in the outer rims of society in those highways and those byways and those hedges they are lost they didn't even know about this supper they're starving They're bound. They're drowning. They're stuck on a rooftop like those were in Florida without electricity, without food, without shelter, surrounded by water, devastation and and loss surrounds them. And we come to rescue them. We go to where they are. Hey, I know you're on top of the roof and I want to help you here in Rock Hill. Why don't you come on here and let me help you? They can't. They're stuck. They're starving. They're trapped. They're lost and the spirit of elijah compels us to go and says as jesus commands us in mark 16:15 go 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 into all the world and preach the gospel to everyone everywhere which brings us to our last characteristic of the spirit of elijah which is actually the title of my message today making ready a people prepared for the lord now, these first three seem to be primarily focused on people outside of the church, reconciling and ministering to people outside of the four walls. Not to say that you can't, on these first three, do it as well on the inside. But it seems to be the primary focus is to go out and bring them in. This last one seems to be having more of a focus on the inside of the church, to me. What does this look like? Well, Hebrews gives us a list. Uh, it gives us some good instructions. It's a, it's a list of lettuces. I like to call it a lettuce list. And yeah, you can spell it like the head of lettuce that you're going to eat for lunch today. It might help you. Let's Write that down if you're taking notes. This is kind of fun. It's a lettuce list. This is not, you know, the kind of lettuce that you're going to be seeing at the store. It's a different kind of let us. Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 19, says, therefore, brothers and sisters, this is talking to the church, Since we have a confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. Do you have that confidence this morning? That you can enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus? I'm saved and I know that I am. A new name written down in glory and it's mine, right? We're saved. I mean, we're we're sanctified. We're delivered from sin. We are rescued. We are restored back to right relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ. We, by the blood of Jesus, have confidence to enter into the most holy place right here. And every day of our lives by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us, there's that first little piece of lettuce there, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water. Here's another piece of lettuce. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised his faithful. Here's the third let us. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up the meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching, I want to speak to those that are watching here on Facebook live this morning real quick. I know for the last couple of years, some of you have gotten used to just flipping on the little thing that you're at and you guys, you're in pajamas right now. I know you are. You're in your pajamas and you're just chilling out at home. And you know, good for you. But we established Facebook Live for folks during COVID so that we could, you know, do all that we needed to do. And we've kept it there to kind of make sure that folks that are viewing in other parts of the country, which I thank you for tuning in from places like Arizona and Virginia and Florida. I know a lot of folks are watching from all across the United States and we welcome you. But if you're here in Rock Hill and if Faith Assembly is your church, You need to get up, get ready, and come on to church. We invite you back. I know you've gotten used to living in your pajamas, and if you want to come in your pajamas, that's perfectly fine, okay? But come back, because it says in this text, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together. As some are in the habit of doing... But encouraging one another. That's what I'm doing. I'm not condemning you. I'm encouraging you. Now, I know there's probably comments being made. Pastor, you just, I can't believe you're singling me out. Yeah, I am. I'm singling you out. And all the more as you see the day approaching, Jesus is coming back soon. The rapture (laughs) is getting ready to take place. I need you back in this church. You need to be back in this church, in this physical building. because. I can't pray for you. I can't know what's going on. I mean, you know, I hear stuff kind of in the grapevine, eventually down the road. Stop. Come on. Come on back. There's no COVID here. There's no sickness here. We're all good, covered by the blood of Jesus. Having a good time, and we miss you. We miss you. Yeah. Amen. And I say that in love. I really do miss you. I, I miss you. Come on. I, I miss you guys. Come on back. All right. So, really, what what Hebrews, the author of Hebrews, is saying is that since we have this vibrant and wonderful, ongoing, ever-growing relationship with God through Jesus Christ, which we do, don't we? Oh, no, good to be growing in the Lord, yes. ah, growing in in His in His wisdom, growing in His love, growing in His strength, just growing in everything that is Jesus Christ. Ah, every day I want you to grow in Him. Uh, every day I want you to uh, experience a new facet of who He is. Ah, you're never too old. You're never too serving the Lord too long. There's always something new you can learn about Him and about yourself that you need to die to and put on Christ, right? Every day we grow. It's a vibrant, ongoing, ever-growing relationship with Jesus Christ. God is calling us to protect it, to nurture it, and to not let it fade or die. Folks, we're on the home stretch, I believe, before the return of Christ. It's time to make sure all the more that we don't let this fade, that we don't coast, but that we press in and that we that we lean in and that we grab hold of and we pursue Jesus Christ more than we ever have before. The Bible says even the very elect in the last days are going to be deceived. There's going to be a, a great falling away. In the last days. Let's not be individually or corporately that group that falls away. But instead let's be the church that not only barely hangs in there. But 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 presses in and makes a difference. And are on the offense. And we're making a difference for the kingdom of God in this community. And in our world. Amen? Amen? Let us, it says the first one, draw near to God with a sincere heart and faith. That we're saved through Jesus Finished work. Let us draw near to God. Let us draw near. Not draw near to the things of this world. Not draw near to the agendas. Not draw near to relationships and other things that are going to pull us away. We're to draw near to God. We're to draw near to Jesus Christ. To relationship with Him. Folks, expend your energies drawing near to God, let us hold unswervingly to our hope. I'm not going to look to the left. I'm not going to look to the right. I'm not going to let the storms of life batter me. I'm going to hold it unswervingly. I'm going to be fixed on true north. I'm going to keep my eyes fixed on the prize, the author, and the finisher of my faith. I will not swerve in my hope that I have. What is my hope? that Jesus is coming back that I have eternal life with him that I get to spend eternity in heaven uh, he's preparing a place for you and for me amen how many believes that yeah. oh that's just a fairy tale pastor i've heard that so many times i don't think that's going to happen chicken a little the sky is falling i've heard it so many Jesus is coming back he's preparing a place for you our blessed hope is that this world and all of the things of it are fading away. But one day, he says, I I am right now preparing a place for you that where I am, you will be also. He's still making it. He's still preparing it. There's a couple little hammer, a couple. I mean, he's not even framing it anymore. He's just putting the final little decorations on it. I believe. I mean, the curtains are being hung. You know, whatever. I mean, he's just he's just he's just straightening up the little vase in the in the in the in the in the, in, in the dining room. You know, he's just. Oh, that's not quite right. He, I mean, it's, it's right there. It's right before the unveiling. It's right before the big reveal. You ever watch those things on HGTV where they come and they go? Oh, he's so beautiful. And that's he's right there, right before. He's right before the couple comes up. He's getting ready to invite us to a place. There's there's no construction noise going up into heaven right now. It's just little tweaks. We're that close. So hold unswervingly to your hope, no matter how bleak, no matter how hard, no matter how challenging things may be or they may appear to be, God is faithful and Jesus is still in control. Amen? Amen. And then finally, let us spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Ah, speaking into one another's life, encouraging those who are disheartened. Praying for one another, protecting the unity of the church, reaching out to the wayward and the straying, encouraging others to be part of the solution instead of part of the problem, reminding others of their responsibility and privilege to model Christ in their words and in their deeds and taking care of one another as the body of Christ ought and God's word instructs us and the spirit of God leads us. That's spurring one another toward love and good deeds. And this church is doing it. Let's keep doing it. And let's do it more. Let's do it deeper and, and broader and really, really make sure that no one slips through the cracks. This lettuce list, these three things, is helpful. It's a helpful one to keep us where we need to be in Christ. Draw near to God in faith. Hold on to your hope. Encourage one another in Christ. And I wrap this up with this. Prepping is fine in moderation. Man, go ahead. Put stuff back if you need to. I know there's a lot of TV ministers out there that says, man, if you'll buy this big old box of powdered stuff, it's going to get you through like 10 years. Just add a little water to it. Whatever. God help us. To focus our time, our energies, our primary resources wholly on the kingdom of God. Not on these things that would try to sh- distract us. Our focus doesn't need to be away from you, Lord God. The rapture of the church is just around the corner. I believe it with all my heart. So turn your energy instead on the things that matter, the things that are eternal. Amen? Amen. Let's, uh, let's let the, let the headlines take care of themselves. Let the nations roar. The Bible says it's going to happen. Let the agendas and the narratives of the world do and say what they will. Whatever. We are called to a higher place in Christ, church. The Lord is coming soon. And many many live their lives like the world with no regard for holiness. And many mock and scorn our warnings. But that doesn't change our responsibility and our our purpose. We must stand and live in the spirit of Elijah. Oh, may the spirit of Elijah come all over us this morning. That we would help those who want to be helped. That we would take the opportunities that are placed in front of us to be Christ to them. Folks, they're watching. They really are. And what and who are you modeling is the question. I want to read to you a story. It's called The Power of 20 Sandwiches. It was this Christian man and his wife who went to Florida for a much-needed vacation to a small, quiet, secluded island resort off the coast of South Florida. The first morning as he sat in his cabana drinking his coffee, he noticed a small and peculiar boat making its way to shore. It wasn't a typical looking boat, but more like a floating bathtub made of wood filled with hysteric and bewildered people. As word spread throughout the resort, they all came to quickly realize that this was a group of 20 Cuban migrants fleeing their homeland who had been adrift for seven days with little food or water. This man immediately faced a dilemma. Go back to his hotel room and ignore it or step up and help. As a believer in Christ, he knew what he needed to do. And then as he battled internally with the cost of his vacation budget, he finally decided to ask one of the employees to prepare 20 sandwiches and some drinks and charge them to his room. As the sandwiches were being handed out, the hungry and exhausted Cuban migrants turned to the man and despite their language barrier, thanked him with a grateful nod. As the man and his wife ate dinner that night at the resort, multiple staff members and guests came over and thanked them for their kindness, giving the couple the opportunity to share their faith in Jesus to several. The manager even informed them that the resort would take care of their dinner that night. The man had questioned whether giving and serving a group of strangers was meaningful and impactful, and his question was answered with, with a resounding yes. They were reminded that you can't outgive or outserve God. They experienced through this a trickle down of generosity and gratitude that impacted their lives and those around them permanently. That's the power that 20 sandwiches can have. And God has called us to do the same. God is calling all of us to go forth in the courage and obedient spirit of Elijah. Uniting those that sin has divided from God in the spirit of reconciliation. Going out to the highways and to the byways and rescuing the lost. And encouraging and making ready a people prepared for the coming of the Lord. No matter what may come in the times ahead, Jesus is not just enough. He's everything. And when it's all said and done, He's all we need. So let's focus on the things that are eternal Let's expend our energies on God's heart and kingdom purposes. John the Baptist was preparing the people for Jesus' first coming. We are the generation of people to prepare those for Jesus' second coming. Let's walk in the spirit of Elijah today. Amen. Would you stand with me? And I want to ask you as you're standing and those that are at home as well. If maybe there's some things in this message here this morning, for example, as you said, you know, I, I feel a little like I don't have the courage that I need. I don't have the confidence that I have that God's really in control and that he really is all powerful. And I'm really having a hard time walking in obedience. He's told me to do some things over the years and I've just excused it away. I want that spirit of courage that will help me to walk in obedience. Maybe that's you. Or maybe, maybe you're there, but you're just trying to figure out, Lord, what does it look like that I can reconcile people? There's some division that's going on, and how can I wave the banner of Jesus Christ so that people can you know, stand under that? And as I hear people and their agendas and their banners being waved, that I can pivot them to point them to the hope of the eternal Christ in me, you know, His kingdom that will last forever. Or maybe you're at a place where you're saying, I. I want to go out to the highways and the byways, to the orphans, the widows, and the maimed, and the blind, and go to the hedges, and just all those places. I don't, I don't even know where to start. Well, the Lord can show you. He can give you that direction and walk in obedience to it. Or, or maybe you're just at a place where you're saying, you know, I, I come like once or twice a month, and I don't really engage in the life together groups, and I'm not really, I'm not really doing my part here to not only be an encourager, but I'm also not really feeling encouraged. I feel good when I come and I'm, I'm kind of encouraged here, but I just let, I've just let the last couple of years and my schedule just kind of take the best of me. And I come when it's convenient. As long as I don't oversleep or I don't have to do this or that, I'm going to come. But I'm not really plugging in and I'm, I'm kind of forsaking the assembling of myself together. And I don't want to be that way. I don't want to drift off. I want to, I want to stay centered. I, I want to stay plugged in. So I don't know where you are with this, but the spirit of Elijah can help you with all those things. That spirit of Christ, really, it's this Holy Spirit in you. It's the spirit that Elijah walked out, but it's really that same spirit that God wants to place in each of us today. So I want to invite you, and I know it's a little bit past 1130, it's closer to 12, but you know, like I said, we're going to go a little bit longer today, but I want to pray over you. Uh, we've already come to the altar multiple times today, and as far as I'm concerned, we need to come more. Let's come one more time, okay? If the Lord is speaking to you and something in your heart is saying, yeah, that's me, I need, I need help in this particular area, and this is between you and the Lord, I don't need to know. I mean, the Lord's already dealing with you about it. We got some folks coming up, that's good. The rest of you come on up. Is the Holy Spirit stirring your heart? say, alright, Lord, I, I, I want that same Spirit that Elijah had, that John the Baptist had, that is for me today in this generation. I need that spirit. I don't want to be afraid. I want to be courageous. I don't want to be disobedient. I want to be obedient. I want you to use me to help reconcile people, to go out and to compel them to come in, to encourage those within the church, whatever that looks like. I need courage. I need obedience to do those things. Lord, as people are coming up, and they're laying their burdens before you. These situations, these struggles that they're dealing with. that Maybe they're just afraid. They're, 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 they just need your courage. Uh, if that's you know, as, as, as I'm praying over you guys uh, here up here, just lift up your hands and say, "Lord, I just receive this." And let me just pray over you right now. Just just uh, be in a be in a, a place of receiving right now. All right, Lord, I receive this. I just receive it now, Holy Spirit. We ask that that spirit that was in Elijah, that spirit that was in John the Baptist, we call that same spirit of courage and obedience to our hearts right now. We receive courage that helps us to know that you're still in control. You've never not been in control. (laughs) And you're all powerful. Lord, give us that courage and that confidence to know those two things. Just like Elijah, just like John the Baptist. And they were sold out. They were committed to you no matter what. They were peculiar people. Lord, your word instructs us to be peculiar people, set apart, different, unique, unusual. Peculiar is a good thing. We want to be peculiar for you. We want to raise and wave high the banner of Jesus Christ. Lord, give us the courage to not bow, to, to speak up when we need to to run towards the things that we need to. Give us that courage, Lord God, to say and do those things you've called us to say and do. And then, Lord, give us the obedience to not question it, to not second-guess it, to to not talk ourselves out of it. Father, give us the the act of obedience, that spirit of obedience that says, I'll do it, I'll say it, I'll be it, I'll go. I'll be Christ to those around me. From this day on, Lord God, give us uh, give us courage and give us obedience so that we can reconcile the, the, those that are divided and separated from you. Whether it be family members, whether it be people from you, Lord, there's a lot of division. Lord, give us that, that that opportunity, the means to step in and to point people to you, to point people back to you, to reconcile people back to you. Father, help us to go out to those that no one else wants to go out, to the, the, the widows, the orphans, the maimed, the blind, the... Highways, the byways, the, those that are on the fringes—not just physically out there, the homeless, but all sorts of fringes that are out there, lifestyles, and and, and and just just ways of being. Those that no one else wants, those that we have even considered, and have and and we've even heard, hey, they're a hopeless case. Lord, there's no hopeless cases in you, Father. Don't ever let us label as a hopeless case those that you have died. For and shed your blood for nobody is hopeless as long as they got the breath of life in them. So Father, help us to go out to those people, whatever that looks like, and it may be people right in our home, it may be people at our workplace, in our schools. Yeah, it may be people homeless and those that are in our community as well that are really struggling right now. But Lord, there's some white collared people that live in really nice homes that are struggling just as just as equal, just as equal as those not. Father, give us discernment of your spirit to know what that looks like so that we can go out and compel them. Compel them. Invite them to the dinner. Those that are struggling right now, that are starving, that are stranded on a rooftop, figuratively speaking. May we be the rescue in Jesus Christ for them. And Father, I pray for this church. Not only... Well, actually, I pray for the church of Jesus Christ. to Start off. May the church of Jesus Christ... The leaders, the congregations, the body of Christ. May we press in. May we not drift, Lord God. May we, may we get our roots down deep. Because the storms are raging. Father that we wouldn't be swayed. As your word says like a tree. That's planted by the water. And the streams of the water of life. We're going to be like the, the mighty oaks Lord God. It may be a desert around us. It may be whipping up whirlwind. But Lord God our, our roots are down deep in the river. Our, 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 de- our roots are strong in you. And we will not be moved. We will not be swayed. Lord I pray that the church of Jesus Christ. Would come back to its first love. That it would repent of its sins. And that it would be a people prepared for the coming of the Lord. And Lord, I pray for each one in this church at faith. Let us be a people prepared for the coming of the Lord. If the trumpet were to sound at this moment, and the rapture were to take place, I I, I, I beg you, Lord Jesus, let there not be a soul left here in this place. Let there not be a soul left within the sound of my voice that's watching this today. But Lord, let us all be caught up. And be in your presence forever. Lord, that preparation is not a one and out thing. It's a daily growth in you. May we be a people continually, daily, ongoingly prepared for you and for your return and for your coming. Help us to sanctify, sanctify us, Lord God. Help us to die to ourselves and sanctify us to be more like Christ every day. No matter how long we've served you, no matter how old we are, no matter how we think we've arrived, none of us have arrived. We all have stuff to learn. So, Father, we repent of our sins. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming and filling us with your love and your strength and your power and your anointing. So that we may be a people prepared for you. And not just us, but that we would go out from this place and be like John the Baptist to, be, to make a people. To make a people. To make a people prepared for you. Whatever that looks like. The rapture's on the way. God, it could be just any moment. The sun rises, those those days that you've given us, those, those dawns, those daybreaks, quickly dwindling before us. May today be a day that we make a difference in someone's life. As we plant water, you bring the increase. So, Lord, we thank you for courage. And we thank you that you give us that spirit of uh, Elijah that gives us courage. That you'll help us to walk in obedience. And that through those things, we're going to see reconciliation. We're going to see rescue. And we're going to see a people prepared for the coming of the Lord. Hallelujah. Would you just lift up your hands one more time and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for this spirit of Elijah. Not just today. But every day, come on, just say, Lord, I I want this every day. I want you to renew this every day in me. It's not just a Sunday thing. It's a it's a Monday thing. It's a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It's every day. And it's every minute of every day. Lord, let me walk in the spirit of Elijah. Let me walk in that spirit that John the Baptist said. I need that spirit in me today. I I need to be set apart. I want that spirit every day. Hallelujah. Every day. Every day. Every day. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. Yeah.